Well, I am honored to be here tonight. I was thinking, you know, life is a journey, and I'm so thankful that my life's journey has brought me to this moment, to being here with you. I tell you, I was just in the foyer, and I turned around, and I said, Paul Krippner. I can't, it was wonderful to see Paul, and, and then to see uh, Brother Bob Hogan come in, and, and uh, Daryl and Cookie Smith, and just so many of you, just, it is such a blessing. It made me think of heaven, and how heaven is going to be. Uh, and that's really the focus that we're here at, talking about hope. Hope. Hope in a walk. You know, in, uh, as, as Ben mentioned, uh, you know, y'all helped us in so many ways. Uh, I, I think, you know, this journey of life, y'all have been a part of mine for more than half of it. And uh, I was thinking about how uh, when I was in college, y'all were, you were sending, uh, you know, preachers through preacher's training school. And I put my name in the hat and y'all helped me with that master's program. I couldn't have done it without you. And that's where I met Mingu, actually. Mingu Chang, we were in the, uh, we were in class together. And, uh, and I mentioned to him, I've never had Korean cuisine. I found myself in his house almost the same day, I think. And uh, that's when I had some of the best food I've ever had in my life. And I understand that tradition is going to be continuing tomorrow night. And I'm looking forward uh, to that. And uh, Young Sook as well in, uh, in uh, inviting me into their home. Uh, but when we were here, I, I remember uh, we were here for about nine months. And y'all are the... Uh, the only congregation that I have approached the elders and, and as a family, we place membership here. And so as a minister, generally that's something that just happens as a result. You know, you come and you work and serve with the congregation and that's, you know, that's just part of it. We were looking for a preaching opportunity and for nine months we couldn't find it. And so Pizza Hut was, was, uh, was uh, looking and my truck had always needed a hat. And so I remember, you know, Jesus said, blessed are the pizza makers. So I said, hey, I'll go to Buford's Pizza Hut. And, uh, and so I, I was there. And then I remember delivering a pizza one day. And I look over and a sign said CDL drivers needed. It had just been put up. And I had a CDL and, and, and so a Class C. And I, I called. They said, you, you're hired yesterday. And I started driving a school bus here in Buford in the mornings and Pizza Hut at night. And so I have walked, I've, I've well, driven through all of these different back roads, whether it was for children or whether it was for delivering a pizza. And I'll tell you, I, 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 every house that I saw needs the gospel. Every, every person that I came in contact with needs the gospel. And, and you know, it was... It was a powerful thing because during that entire time, was, whether I was preaching or not, I was still striving to walk with God. And that is the main focus for us tonight. And we're going to be discussing for the next five lessons the concept of hope. And what this, this world needs is hope. We need a focus. We need a hope that is a walk. And, and it's, it reminds me of Genesis 3, verse 8. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That's my favorite passage in all of Scripture, and I, I just really only said the first part of it, because the first part is my favorite. We don't really like the second part. What it shows is it is, it is God's desire to walk with His children. It's God's desire to walk with man. When they heard that sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, God's desire is to walk with His children. 
But you'll notice the second part of it showed that their desire was to walk the other direction. Notice it says, And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Why was it that they had decided to go the other way? It's because they had disobeyed God. Their eyes were open to their nakedness. That at one time they had seen as, as perfectly acceptable. They were unashamed. And God had seen it as very good. Because their eyes were open to their, to their nakedness and they saw it as shame, it meant that what Isaiah said in Isaiah 5 and verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Their concept of right and wrong was flipped upside down and they went the other way. And that walk away from God continued. In fact, in chapter 3 and verse 22, if you'll turn there with me, and, and this begins with the idea of hopeless. It is hopeless when we walk away. It's hopeless when we walk the other direction. God wants us to walk with Him. How do we do it? It is so easy to walk away. When I, do, when I, when I walk according to whatever I think, when I walk according to what I see, the way Adam and Eve did, we're walking away from the presence of God. And in fact, in verse 22, it says, Then the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man, and at the east of the Garden of Eden he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. You ever wonder why did God, why did he block their way to the tree of life? Well, he did them a favor, and he did us a favor. Because if we ate and lived forever with our eyes open, to what God had seen was very good, and we see it as evil, then that's only going to get worse and worse and worse, and that walk will get further and further away for God, and that would have been for all eternity. So God wants, we know, He wants to walk with us. But it's got to be in His terms, not ours. The way He sees it, not the way that we now see it. We know that this walk away from God continued because, remember, they were told if they, the day they eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they would surely die. Well, for Adam, it took 930 years for that to take place. It wasn't an instantaneous death, but death nonetheless came into this world, and it would come very quickly to their son. Cain, their oldest, would kill their second-born Abel. And as a result, it caused Cain to walk even further away from God. If you will, look at Genesis chapter 4 and verse 16. It says, Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land, you might have, of Nod. We know it means the land of wandering. So remember, Moses is writing the first five books of the Old Testament and at the time of Moses, when he writes this, he's referring to the land that is called Nod. It is a, a land that's called wandering. Remember, because Cain had disobeyed God, he wandered away because he was banished to a life of wandering. We understand that this is what that place east of Eden became known as the place of wandering. And so he sets down roots. It's very hard for a gardener to get away from his roots. 
And if you'll keep going, look at verse 17. It says, Cain knew his wife, she conceived and bore Enoch. Now, when you see the, word, the name Enoch, we know of another Enoch. We're going to talk about him in just a moment. This is not the one that walked with God. This is the son of Cain. But notice what we know about him. When he, Cain, built a city, he called the name of that city after the name of his son, Enoch. So Cain, who has been banished away from the presence of God even further, we understand that all he can do to bless his son is build a city and name it after his son. That's, that's all he can do. How many people have spent millions of dollars in their life just to be able to maybe get their name on the side of a building? Or, you know, when you think about someone, you know, I was thinking about Coming, Georgia. You know, if you think about Coming, Georgia, where did that name Coming come from? Um, you know, my fourth great grandfather, Minton Isaiah Harp, he fought with, uh, with Cumming in the Cummings Brigade in uh, the Georgia 39th Infantry. And Cumming became the, na the name for Cumming, Georgia. That's what he's known for. What do we know about him other than his name is Cumming? What do we know about this Enoch other than that, that this lost city was named after him? That's all of the blessing he can receive in this life. That's all Cain could offer him because he can only nurture his son in an environment that is away from the presence of God. When we set down roots in this life, then hope is anything but. It's only hopeless. It's all about what we can have now. And if our hope is in something that can change, then our hope will change. If our hope is in something that can break, then our hope will break. It truly will be hopeless. So we've got to see that, that hope is in a walk. That means hope has got to begin. It's when hope, it's, it's hope when the walk begins. Uh, in fact, I'd like for us to look at Genesis 5 verse 24. It says, Enoch walked with God. Enoch walked with God. He was not, for God took him. So this Enoch is the first cousin five times removed from Cain's son, Enoch. So before this walk could begin, this walk with God could start, a talk had to take place. Uh, and in fact, if you look at Genesis 4:25, uh, beginning, it says, And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel. For Cain killed him. To Seth also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. You know, it's interesting. When you look at what, what during the line of Seth, people are calling upon the name of the Lord, that this, this, this communication with God is starting, this walk with God is about to begin. But notice it was Eve who called her son Seth, because she said, God has appointed for me another son. God has appointed. She starts to recognize her father again. And in this recognition, this walk could take place. All right, so that's, that's extremely important. If, um, if you think about this, her words represent healing. A healing that is desperately needed in a world that has walked away from God. Notice the new beginning. 
The walk is starting over. And in chapter 5 and verse 18, and again, this now gives the lineage of Seth. And we're going to pick up here in verse 18. It says, when Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. You know, it's interesting. He, if you look at the lineage, he is... He lives less time in this life than any other within that lineage. But he walks with God for 300 years. And what do we know about him? He walks with God for 300 years after becoming a father. Now, that doesn't mean that that's when he started walking, but we know that he was a father the entire time he walks with God. It is so important that when we walk with God as parents, that we're, we're striving to raise our children. You know, really, we could call this a tale of two Enochs. We have an Enoch that is brought up in the, in the household of Cain and an Enoch that is brought up in the household of Seth. One is walking with God and one is building a city and simply naming it after his son. One is, has got roots that are only in this life. One has roots eternal. When it comes to us as parents we're, and grandparents, we're trying to raise our children to walk with God, to restore that walk anew. And, and it's something that is so important for their future, for the future of their children and their children's children. In, in fact, if you'll turn to Deuteronomy chapter 4, Deuteronomy chapter 4, and verse 8, it says, And what great nation is there? And this is Moses speaking, uh, and he's on behalf of the Lord. And in fact, verse 2, they've just been told that you don't add to the word or take away from the word. In verse 8, it says, And what great nation is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. How are you going to make the, the principles of God, the precepts of God, how are you going to make them known to your children's children? Through letting your children know now so that they, as a result, teach their children. So we have an influence on future generations, knowing the words of God through the decisions that we're making right now. Are we going to raise them in, uh, in an environment that's walking with God or walking away from God? I think as a society, we, we, we want our children to do what's right and to live a, a righteous life. Uh, and, and it reminds me of Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 1. And, and it Actually, my son was four. Our oldest was four when we moved here with mom and dad, and, and we were here for that nine months. I remember it was a challenging time. Uh, I remember being exhausted because I ended up doing three different jobs, and, and, uh, and, and when I was home, I was trying to try to be dad and, and, and husband, and, and uh, our son, our oldest, was four, and he was starting to act up because I wasn't able to really be 
right there and, and try to stop some of those things. And he had, obviously it was different too. We'd been moved, we had moved and it was a challenging time and maybe we start seeing it in, in our boys. And so uh, I remember uh, Gabriel had done something to his brother and he, he was in trouble. And so I went and I, I got a, a switch and I put it on the bed. And, uh, and, and I, I put him on the left side of the switch. So, so imagine this is the switch. He's, Gabriel's sitting here. Again, he's four years old. It's when we were living here. And, uh, and, and I said, children. See, the first Bible passage that we had taught the boys, you'll know, because he said, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That's what he said. When I said children, he said, Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And I said, son, I said, you have a responsibility to, to, to obey your parents. That's your mommy and your daddy. And I said, and that means you've got to do what is right. And so I asked him, what did you do? And he explained it. I said, was that right? He said, no, it wasn't. I said, that means you're on this side of the switch. And so the switch is here. He's here. He sees a physical, tangible thing that's going on. I said, honor your father and mother. This is the next phrase. And so I start telling this to our four-year-old. And, I, and it said, you know, this is the first commandment with a promise that it go well with you and you'll live long in the land. And then it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. I said, son, you have a responsibility to obey your mommy and me. But I have a responsibility to make sure that you know what is right and what is wrong. And I said, here is this switch, this is the line, and you're over here. And what side is this? He said, wrong. <laughs> I said, what side is this? It's right. And I said, what this means is daddy is responsible for making sure that you're disciplined, that you learn what is right and what is wrong through admonishing. So this, this is actually a line that needs to cleanse you. This line is going to be spanking. And I did not like that. I hate this. Hated it. And I, I sat there with that, that, that stick and, and uh, I said, do you understand? He said, I understand. I said, but once this, this, this spanking, the admonishing is done, then you're not in trouble anymore. It's over. You will be on the right side. I said, do you understand? He said, I understand. I said, are you ready? No, I'm not ready. I said, I'll wait. Are you ready? And he finally said, I'm ready. I spanked him, and it didn't feel good. He was crying, and it was a, a challenging thing to do every time. But I put that, I put that stick down, and I, I thought it was done. I told him it was done, and he crawled over across the stick. And I said, what are you doing, buddy? He said, I'm on the right side now. I'm on the right side. He got it that day, <laughs> and, I, I, and I got it that day, I guess. We've been challenged ever since, right? That, that happens. It's challenging to try to make sure that we're, we're bringing them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We have a responsibility that we've been given. And Enoch walking with God as a father, he has an example of the greatest father that there is, walking with his heavenly one. And that, as parents, we need the example. And we're told so often children are not born with a rule book. No, they're not except that this book is given as the example. This book is given the example if we follow it within its context, if we follow it in its entirety, 
I've needed it. Our boys have needed it. My wife and I have needed it. Man, I wish we had the time to go through the entire book of Ephesians 4, 5, and 6 and look at the, the, the plan of, of being a part of the church. And then from there, you are, are, are Christians submitting to one another and then wives submitting to your husbands. It's referring to wives who have, and husbands who have already submitted to one another as Christians. And then those Christian husbands and wives are raising children in the Lord. And there is a boundary and an example for all of us that God has given to us. So as we walk with Him, we can have hope. We live in a society, we live in a world that is hopeless, that is crumbling. The home is crumbling all around us. They need the principles that God instills. I, I, I know where we would be without them. In fact, you, when you supported us in Scotland, y'all helped us. I, I'm, I'm telling you, in, in, if it wasn't for you, we couldn't have been there. We ran a youth outreach for inner city children. We had 70 children that would come to the youth program every week. And we only had one brother and sister who had the same mother and father. Only one. And this, this was in 2010. 2010. They needed principal. And, and I remember trying to handle situations with these kids. And, and they would say, Jesus. And it was a cuss word. And I'd say, don't say that. That is a... That's saying the Lord's name in vain. Lord? What's Lord? I just said Jesus, and I said, that's a cuss word. They're like, I know that. I said, but that's my, that's my Lord. That's the Son of God. Who? They only knew that the name Jesus was a cuss word. That's all they knew. That's all they understood. And so I remember the first thing we did was we got this massive ruler. Now that was, mm -mm, no, it wasn't not, not like what I, the story before. A piece of paper and they, they painted it gold and we put, we put lines in it and it just said, treat others the way you want to be treated in a dash and it said Jesus. So now they're introduced to something other than the cuss word. And so when we would have a situation and the kids started kind of messing with each other and kid would hit another kid and I, I remember saying, don't hit him. Well, he hit me. I said, I'll handle that. I'm talking to you at this moment. I said, what does that say? Treat, they're like, treat others the way you want to be treated. And I said, do you want to be hit? But he hit me. No, no. Do you want to be hit? No. <laughs> then we'd talk to the other young person. and Do you want to be? No. If you both treat each other the way that you want to be treated, then both of you would not have gotten into this. You see what Jesus' words actually mean? And it's so much more than a curse word. Ah, right. And they walked away and it handled every situation that we faced. That one out of so many more. There's so much wisdom that this society, or that this world desperately needs. And when you start seeing the light come on, that is the reason. That's the reason we have to do this. In fact, I was studying at Fried Hardeman. I was studying art. And, and I had been invited to come to Scotland as a preacher intern when I was 19 years old, right before mom and dad came here. And it was Graham McDonald who had seen me in Fayetteville when I was 12, and he says, Richard, I want you to come to Scotland with me. And I was like, oh, I have to ask my mom. 
And when I came, when I was a sophomore at Freed, he came to me and he, he came with dad and said, do you remember what I asked you? I was like, I remember everything. And he said, I want you to come. And I, I was a preacher intern, worked with those children. And that changed everything for me. I realized, what have I taken for granted my whole life? I've taken my faith for granted. When these kids think that Jesus, my Lord and Savior, is just a cuss word, what have, what have I been doing? I came back to Freed Hardeman. I dropped art. I still, do, I still use art. I love it. I still use it. Have a lamp business if you're ever interested. I'm kidding. Art is something that's important, but, but that was not what was important. And I stuck with Bible. Y'all supported me in the master's program, and, and we were able to leave in May, graduated in June, went back to Scotland, and started a different one in another city. You know, we have an opportunity to try to reach people, and sometimes it's simply treat others the way you want to be treated. Phrases that we've taken for granted our li whole lives, if they're presented, it's not your wisdom, it's not my wisdom, it's not my light. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to who? Your Father who is in heaven. But there are people in this world who? What's a father? What's, a, what's an earthly father, let alone a heavenly one? I don't understand. Their walk with God has not begun yet, but it can through you and through me. Through, through striving to make a difference in the life of our children, maybe you didn't have the father that, 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 that you needed. You have a heavenly father. And he's given and instilled the greatest blessings for your life for future generations. It's hope when the walk begins. But it's also hope when the walk is endless. You know, and that's the thing. You know, when things... Things were going great, and then COVID hits, <laughs> right? Things are going great, and then our plans change. Oh, man, things fall flat, and it's challenging. It's, 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 it's hopeless. It is only hope when it is endless. In, in, Ephesians, or in Ephesians, in Genesis 5, 23, if you'll turn there, back there with me, it says, thus all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. You know, we look at this and say, well, you know, what exactly does that mean? He was not. Well, it's interesting. If you go to Hebrews chapter 11, we'll find Enoch there. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 5 beginning. It says, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. He was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Right? So notice it says he was not found because God had taken him. So when it says that he was not, it means he wasn't found. Have you ever gone to look for someone and they're not found? You know, I, I was thinking about uh, Wade Cowart. Wade Cowart on the way up. And uh, he's a great, great man of God. I still have one of his suits and I wear it. I can still fit it. That's amazing. I remember Bernice Smith. 
Bernice, she, uh, while we were in Scotland, we had uh, our two boys. We brought a little Rugrats home. And, uh, but before we brought them home into the States, uh, Bernice had, had knitted a, or not knitted, she had sewn a, a little pillow and a blanket for Gabriel and sent that over to us, a little yellow. We still have it. There are people that we go to look for, and you can't, you can't find them. But you can find their legacy. You can find their walk. You can find, well, in, in fact, we find Enoch's walk, his legacy, because of his great-grandson Noah, who walked with God. How did he walk with God? Because Methuselah, his son, Enoch's son, most likely instilled that same walk. So that Noah, we're very thankful for Enoch's walk now, aren't we? Because if Noah didn't walk with God, neither would we be in existence. So what's powerful to me is when those who have gone before us are no, no, more, no longer found, remember that their legacy is. Remember what they stood for. Remember the way they walked and strive to do the same. Don't forget what they stood for. You know what I love is Enoch walked with God and he didn't point to himself. Just like his fifth cousin or first cousin five times removed, however you want to say it. Enoch of Cain's son, all he did was look at me. I'm Enoch of the city Enoch. I mean, I'm sure people were called Enochites. I, I don't know, depending on the language that they had. It was all about Enoch. It was all about him. And that selfishness is what is going to only be seen when you are nurtured in an environment that has walked away from God. But when you're walking with God, you're going to please God. And as a result, that walk will be endless. And in fact, it's endless because of 12 and verse 1. Enoch became a part of a great cloud of witnesses. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You know, when you think about those who have gone before, who've walked with God, who are just not able to be found in this life, we want to find them in heaven, and we want to talk to them. Doesn't it make heaven sweeter because of that cloud of witnesses? It's Enoch's example that causes us to strive to walk with God now so that his walk will, will be endless, so that his walk will be yours and mine. So how does this walk of hope help us? Well, look at verse 2. Again, it's not looking to Enoch, looking to Jesus Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. See, when we walk with God, we point others to God. We point others to Jesus. And that is the most important aspect of our life. If, if there could be anything greater for you and for me is to point others to Christ not point others to ourselves, to point others to Jesus. 
That's exactly what Enoch did. And, and in fact, his walk continues because if we, if we actually, we looked at, at uh, Luke 3.37, we don't have to go there, but you can maybe look at it later. You'll find Enoch in the lineage of Jesus. If it wasn't for Enoch walking with God as a father, and then that being instilled in Methuselah, and then, then so on and so forth to Noah, then we wouldn't have had Christ. And in fact, Enoch, we know through the book of Jude, prophesied during that walk. He didn't just walk, he also spoke. It was a walk and talk, if you will. In Jude, if you go to verse 4, we understand that Jude, all he wants to talk to these brethren about is their, 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 their mutual faith in the Lord. But he said, I found that I've, I've got to stand for something here. He says, for certain people have crept in unnoticed. He's saying, I've got to contend for the faith, end of verse 3, that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 14. You've got to carry these individuals who are perverting the grace of God all the way to 14. It was also about these, these who are perverting the grace of our God. It was about these that Enoch... The seventh from Adam prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all, to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of ungodliness that they have committed in such an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires, their loudmouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. Enoch, he is speaking out and prophesying of the Lord coming, of Jesus coming into this world. And it would come literally through his lineage so that he would be the answer for all of us, so that we could walk with God as well. If it wasn't for Jesus, we couldn't walk with God. And he's so much more than a curse word. He's our Savior. He is the reason that we're all here tonight. He is the reason that we can walk with God in the first place. But how? How do we walk with God? Paul talks about it in Romans chapter 6. And, and I think it's important to realize that what Jude was saying is there are people who ever since during the time of Enoch were trying to pervert the way of God. There was only evil on their, their hearts and consciences continually. But if you'll turn to Romans chapter 6 and, and verse 1, we're going to look here. There are people who are literally trying to pervert the grace of God, that are literally trying to change or shroud the truth to make it to where we could think that we're walking with God and we could actually be walking the other direction. How do you know what you're following is, is from God or from the world or from the lie? Verse 1 of Romans 6 says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. 
How can we who died to sin still live in it? So this is interesting because the grace of God, and we're going to, we're going to be discussing this uh, on Sunday during our class. We're looking at, at the grace of God. So please uh, invite your friends to that, that lesson and, and we'll focus on that more. But notice what this is saying is we cannot allow, we've we got to realize we can't continue in sin and expect grace to just cover it. God's big enough. And so I can live in the world and I can live it up and I can have just the greatest time in this life and I can have heaven as well. God is big enough. So there are people who have bought into that lie that has literally perverted the grace of God to think that God will accept it. God will accept the sin that's in my life. But what Scripture is saying here is where we understand what grace and how grace is covering us in the first place. Can we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, certainly not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Well, when did we die to sin? Again, this is Paul speaking to Roman Christians here. He's telling them something that they've already heard. He's talking to them about what they were doing when they became Christians and why. And we need that reminder, don't we? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. How do you walk with God today? You walk in newness of life. We have access to walking with God again we don't have to walk according to the prince of the power of the air, according to Satan and his lies, his deceit. We can walk with God. I remember uh, recently one of, our, uh, one of our members, she was uh, 93 years old, and uh, she was Lucille Larch. She, she passed away, and uh, she had, uh, she'd been converted to Christ uh, later in life. And, and her son had been the one that had converted originally, and then she converted. And he, call, he called me up. He said, I got you in. You got me in? What do you mean? I got you in. I thought you, you got me in trouble. What is it? He says, you're doing the funeral. You see, she had, she had ten siblings, and three of them were preachers in, in, a, in a, a different denomination. She had sons that were of the same persuasion. And when Jimmy told me that, uh, he says, I got you in. He said, she, she wanted you to preach the gospel. She wanted her family to hear the gospel for one more time. And I didn't sleep. And when her, na her name is Lucille Large, it just so happened she has 10 children and, and, and she had 10 brothers and sisters. And when I said, when I was reading through the names, I said, when y'all say large, you really mean it. <laughs> they were large. It was a very, you know, a lot of people. They didn't want me there. And they even started the funeral early so that I wouldn't be there. And I very thankfully showed up earlier <laughs> and I was already at the casket. And we're just simply looking at, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. 
and we were walking. It was during COVID. We were, it was outside, and I said, we're walking in a different garden, in a different cool of a different day. We've got to simply walk with God. And, and I, as I was reading this, I said, you know, Sister Lucille Large, she experienced a burial. And was looking at her casket, I said, but she's not experienced this one. She's never experienced this one. So notice it says, we were buried with Christ in baptism to rise to walk in newness of life. Her burial was in baptism. I said, I don't know why Jesus said for this to take place, but if it was good enough for Lucille Large, it's good enough for me. She is, I said, she's continually walking with God even to this day. Why? Because she rose out of that watery grave walking in newness of life and she is walking with God as we speak. That next morning, it was a Saturday when the funeral took place, one of her sons went to church with Jimmy and he was baptized into Christ that very morning. And I was scared, I was scared to death. I was even looking for ways out because... The family was not happy. And in fact, several family members didn't come because I was doing the funeral. You never know the opportunities that you have for presenting the gospel message. Just presenting it as simply as it states. Maybe you're here tonight. And you haven't been walking with God in newness of life. You know, you could be running in the race, but you haven't registered for it. <laughs> you ever thought about that? You could run in the race. You could get the, the, to the front of the line and cross that finish line and do all these wonderful things in the name of Christ. If you haven't registered, are you a part of the walk? Are you a part of the walk with God? All I know is it was good enough for the first century church good enough for me. Have you risen to walk in newness of life? If you confess that Jesus is Lord, repented of your sins and been baptized in his name. But you know, maybe you are a child of God and you know, it's easy to think about that tale of two Enoch's. It's easy for us to, you know, go throughout life, you know, breathe in, breathe out, sleep, wake up, do it all over again, nine to five. I remember trying to do all those three jobs when I was working here, and I remember looking for, for, for time to even read my Bible. I remember thinking, I don't have time. I didn't have time. And getting so focused because I, I have mortgage payments. I've got to make sure that we can take care of my family. You can become so focused because, have you noticed, it's getting a little bit more expensive? And it's easy for us to get to a point where we forget why we're walking. That's not hope. The hope that we have is beyond the grave. The hope that we have is beyond inflation. It's beyond any COVID situation, any strain coming down the pike. God wants you to walk with him. Plain and simple. Whether it's walking in newness of life or continuing a walk for the rest of your life. If we can encourage you tonight, please respond now while together we stand and while we sing. Oh, you now let the world be far, and go time against the light.
Father, as we once again approach your throne, Father, we approach your throne as your, as your children, and we pray, Father, that uh, this worship tonight has been pleasing to you. Uh, songs have been praised to you and be uh, good to your ears, and that we would have like-minded, Father, as we listen to that lesson that Richard presented to us. Father, we thank you for the time that you have given us to be unmolested, to be able to come here, to be able to enjoy the fellowship to enjoy old friends, and to hear another portion of, of your wonderful word. Father, we ask you as your children to be with us as we continue to walk. Um, we pray, Father, that we would assess that walk, Father, and uh, uh, match our will to your will, Father, and that we would be on the, the right side of the line, as, as uh, per se, that we would be living the kind of life and walking with you in the in the garden and being the example to others our children our grandchildren people come in contact with friends we're trying to influence that we would uh, that they would want to have that walk as well father we ask you to bless this fellowship that we're going to have afterward uh, bless the food that we will enjoy during that fellowship bless to our bodies and we ask you to bring us back at the next appointed time tomorrow night to be able to hear some more uh, from Richard. 
For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.